a simple story that changes a complicated world. I love, <clears throat> I love that tagline to our December sermon series. It happened 2,000 years ago, and it's been happening every year since, and so we are, we are putting our full hope uh, in, in that story once again, a simple story that changes a complicated world. We began a series a couple weeks ago with a simple reminder that we need each other. I need you, you need me, we need each other because the world needs us, united and together, the church. Last week we heard kind of just the the simple gospel message of Christmas, that he came for me, he came for you, he came for us, the world, Savior, Messiah, and Lord. He's been born to you. Merry Christmas. Somebody's still paying attention. That's good. (laughs) Hey, today's Simple Christmas Round 3. I I read an article a couple weeks ago that that began in a strange way. It said, Christmas is wonderful until it actually happens. And the author continued, the practical implications of Christmas are enough to drive even the most joyous amongst us into a bit of a scrooge. The never-ending Christmas songs... uh, Wrapping paper everywhere and the constant push to spend, spend, spend on more, more, more can really test your Christmas tolerance levels. And I read that and I thought, bro, you are missing the real meaning of Christmas. And I feel that too. Maybe you feel that. Like every year, right about now, about a week or so before Christmas, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated at the craziness and the busyness and the self-imposed stress. Then I'm frustrated at myself for being frustrated by all the distractions and not keeping the most important thing, the most important thing. I get frustrated with the lists and the to-dos and the expectations. And every year, the most wonderful time of the year seems further and further away. And every year, I go through this grumpy frustration Full disclosure, longing for it all to be over. Anyone else get the Christmas grumps this time? I know we're in church, so you're not going to be honest. That's okay. (laughs) It's not my general attitude towards Christmas. I love Christmas. It's just Christmas is pretty wonderful until it actually happens. And for me and and Michelle, my wife, will tell you this, it's every year. My mind just kind of goes haywire thinking about and being distracted by and frustrated by what I just call all the things. This year, I I found myself falling to my knees about it, praying that the Lord would, would kind of prune me, would change my attitude because my grumps affect my entire home. And as I was reading the Christmas story again, kind of for the very first time, but all over again, this one verse that I had read dozens of times just kind of Stop me in my tracks. It's probably a verse that, that, that you've read before, that you've at least heard before, and it was like God threw on the neon sign that I find myself often asking for in moments like this, like, hey, that's what I need. This. Adam, this. And I, it's probably not a verse that you've seen on too many Christmas cards. It may not be a Christmas verse that's worthy of a Christmas magnet on the fridge, but this verse has saved my Christmas. 
Chip alluded to it just a few moments ago. It's Luke 2.19. Mary and Joseph have traveled to Bethlehem to be counted in the census. Mary has given birth to the Savior of the world, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Some smelly shepherds have stopped by at the behest of the angel Gabriel to, to go and see this child. They, they, they told them the good news that will cause great joy for all the people, and so they swing in to, to meet this baby, and after they saw the baby, they left telling everybody everything that they have heard about this child, but, Luke 2.19, this is the verse, but... Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary was a thinker, man. Like, I feel like she was one of those people who are probably hard to have a conversation with because they're the ones that just kind of stare blankly at you while they're thinking about all that, like thinking before they speak, which is probably a really good thing. But for those of us who don't do that and process everything out loud, it's really hard to have that conversation and as I'm saying that, I'm wondering, we're probably hard to have conversations with too. For those of you that, like I, you start at one place and then you end 180 degrees, and that probably frustrates many of you when you talk to me. I apologize, I just realized that, because that's how I am. That's how I do that. Sorry. But Mary was quick to listen and slow to speak. You remember the, the very first time that she heard about all this from the angel Gabriel? He shows up in her room. It's like, greetings, you who are highly favorite. The Lord is with you. And, and young Mary is freaked out a little bit. Luke one twenty nine tells us Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Her first response was to think about things. The word literally means back and forth thinking, wondering, contemplating. I'm not really sure what, what's really going on. Then Luke 2.19, hearing all the things, experiencing all the things, Jesus, Mary treasured up and pondered it all, thought about it. She just spent her time thinking about mulling it over, holding on to it in her memories. The Bible word would be meditating on all things Jesus. And this is just true about Mary. In fact, if we get to the end of Jesus as a child in the Bible, the only other place we see him, he's 12 years old. Mary and Joseph and their family had gone to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, and they leave him behind. And so after a few days, they're like, wow, where's Jesus? And they go back, and they search frantically around Jerusalem, and they finally find him. He's sitting in the temple courts. He's chatting with the, the teachers of the law, and the religious leaders are talking about God. And Mary and Joseph are frustrated. Why would you do this to us? Why would you make us think we lost you and search all over for you? And Jesus is like, what are you doing searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Of course, Mary and Joseph had no idea really what he was talking about. They were just glad to find their son and get going home again. But once again, Luke chapter 2, verse 51 tells us, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She stored them up. She, she held tight to all these memories. She thought about them often. Her mind was set on the things she heard and had experienced and that she knew about Jesus. And so today, if you're someone who's got a hard time keeping the most important thing, the most important thing at Christmas, today's message is for you. 
Or if you're here today and you're someone who's, who's trying, wondering how do we celebrate Jesus at the same time celebrating family and parades and traditions and fun, well, today's message is geared toward you. Maybe you're here today and you're just trying to figure out what's all this crazy, all this hype about this guy Jesus, especially in December. Well, if that's the case, today's message is for you too. Or maybe you just have a hard time focusing on anything for any length of time. And if that's the case, today's message is for you. The great A.W. Tozer said that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you because what you think about God determines how you approach God and how you approach God determines how you, well, how you live all of life and, and frankly, how you celebrate Christmas. Simple Christmas. Let's get our minds right. Let's talk mindset today. Luke 2.19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The question is, okay, what are all these things, right? Like, what, what did she think about? What did she ponder? I love that word ponder. What, what did she mull over in her head all the time? And I want us to think about that. I, I'm, I'm sure she, she pondered the angel Gabriel's first visit. Gabriel shows up to say, hey, you're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit and your son is going to be the son of God. And even among the disgrace that she would likely experience, young Mary's humble response was, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And we love that. Sounds great, but that's not something you just kind of agree to and then move on from, right? Like You know she, was, she thought about that a lot. The son of God, like Huh? I'm sure Mary treasured up Elizabeth's encouragement. After she found out she was pregnant, she went to visit her cousin who was also with child. And, and when she walked in the room, the, the baby in Elizabeth's belly, who was later to become John the Baptist, leapt inside her womb. And Elizabeth said, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? And that confirmation just had to strengthen Mary as she she no doubt faced judgment from all the people in her town and even her family members in the whole situation, right? I'm guessing she pondered and thought about Joseph's commitment. You know she treasured that up in her heart. And the angel Gabriel appeared to Joseph too and said, hey man, Mary's not been unfaithful. What's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And, and this child's going to save his people from all of their sins, and you should name him Jesus. And, and, and he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. I'm confident Joseph did some pondering, too, after that visit. And how could Mary stop thinking about the things surrounding Jesus' actual arrival? There's a census declared. Seriously? Nine months pregnant, i got to travel to Bethlehem. There's no guest room available. We've got to go to a barn, the stable, the manger. How could she stop thinking about those first treasured moments of, of staring at their newborn son who was also their Savior and their Messiah and the Lord? Was it totally uncomfortable and inconvenient? Oh, yeah, that's an understatement. But man, you know she treasured all of those things up. 
And then, of course, Simeon and Anna's reaction that's part of our Christmas story when, when they go to the temple after eight days. And Simeon, who is an older man, and he's been promised he's not going to die till he sees the Messiah. He announces to everybody, this is him. He's here. And then Anna, who was an older uh, widow who worshipped day and night at the temple, she's there. She talked about the babe, Jesus to everyone. This is, this is the guy who's going to redeem all of Israel. And of course, the wise man's visit, sometime later, magi from the east come, and they visit Mary and Joseph and their young child, Jesus, and they bring these extravagant but also a little weird gifts, and then they bow down and worship him, her son, their king. What a moment to, to treasure up and hold on to. Now think about all the whirling thoughts she must have had, right? Like, I gave birth to the Son of God. Wow, I'm his mom. He's my savior. I brought him into this world, and he's giving me life forever. Or what about, when do I start obeying him? Like, when is it okay for him to not obey me? Like, when does that whole transition happen? Can you imagine? Angels bursting with, with joy and praise over the news that, that, uh, about her son? I mean, it's wild. Her baby boy, her savior, her God, all in one, a gift to all mankind, a king whose rule would never end, my baby boy in a manger. And Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Constantly, her thoughts would dwell on the angel's promise that her son was God's son. While she's counting toes and touching fingers and listening to his cries, looking at his eyelashes and his little nose as new moms do, doing laundry and making breakfast as he gets a little older, thinking about all these things while navigating through puberty and the teenage years and acne and siblings, treasuring these thoughts. I don't know if Jesus had acne. I'm kind of making that up. So don't get mad at me. Then during his ministry, He's gaining followers, and yet he's facing opposition, and, and she's seeing him perform miracles and listening to his sermons while standing at the cross. Over and over again, Mary kept her attention on all that was said and all that had been experienced with her son. And then I started wondering, well, how did she do that? Right? I mean, she's not like she was a superwoman. She was flesh and blood, just like you and me. And I think maybe the key is more simple. Mary had Jesus with her day and night. Her with him, him with her. Watching, listening, having conversations with him. Pondering, wondering, thinking, meditating. It's the same for us. And what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. 
And so what should we be pondering and, and, and treasuring up so our mindset is right this Christmas? What comes into your mind when you think about God? When you think about Christmas, what floods your mind? What do you hold on to? We're living in the fastest tempo the history has ever known. And with that comes a whole lot of pressure. And then because you and I can, can pretty much work everywhere, we, we find slowing down and quieting our minds and actually thinking, pondering, well, it's hard to do anywhere. And so <laughs> hurry happens, and that makes it really easy, too easy really, to, to rush past these, these vital, eternal truths. And with that, with that comes a dismissal of those things from our minds and the grump sets in and, and the Christmas story becomes something we're so familiar with we kind of just skip past it and check the box and just get through all the things and on to what's next. But what if this Christmas was different? What if, what if it was more simple? What if we took the page out of Mary's book and we slowed down to ponder and to contemplate and to meditate on the simple truths of Jesus? Because the fact is, if we did that, we would have no lack of wonder and joy and celebration and worship this Christmas. And church, I really believe we're, we're without excuse. I dare say we have it better than Mary that first Christmas. She knew more about, about the birth of her son than probably anybody else, but what she knew was limited. You and I have God's eternally preserved word, the Bible, which not only reveals what Mary knew, but so much more. You and I can, can look back and revisit the over 300 statements, prophecies about the Messiah that all came to fruition in Jesus. You and I have, have uh, the whole story of Jesus, his life, his ministry, his, his growing up, the miracles, all the things, his, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, all, what all his followers looked like when they first started following Jesus and, and able to, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have, we have a, all the promises that God offers to those of us who believe that we can hold on to. You and I have the full picture of, of love and grace and forgiveness from a Savior and a friend who's good and who's close. You and I have all that the Holy Spirit wanted to reveal to humanity, the whole counsel of God. Mary pondered all of these things, uh, but you and I, because that really means that she doesn't, I'm not totally sure about all the things. I'm trying to figure out all of these things. I'm pondering, I'm wondering, I'm contemplating. You and I, by faith, can, can know those things and hold tight to them. This, this, the whole thing just reminds me of the Charlie Brown Christmas, right, that comes on every year about this time. You know the one, right? Charlie Brown, at the end, he's so frustrated because, because nothing's going right. His friends are making fun of him because of his tree, and, and he just kind of shouts out, doesn't anybody know the real meaning of Christmas? And here comes Linus, his friend Linus, right, the little blue blanket, <laughs> He's like, yeah, Charlie Brown, I know the real meaning of Christmas. And he walks out in the middle of the stage, and <laughs> he steps up and just declares the words of the Bible in Luke chapter 2, telling the story of the first Christmas, that what Christmas is all about, a Savior being born to us. I love Linus's blanket. 
right? It's just like this, it's a security thing, right? Charles Schultz, who created Peanuts, actually made security blanket part of our vernacular with Linus. That was never words we said before. It was a security thing. It was a comfort thing, especially for younger kids. Our kids all had loveys. Your kids, any of your kids have these kinds of things, loveys? Like ours was a lovey, not a blanket. It was, you know, this animal with arms and like a blanket attached to it. All of them had them. Our Anna, we, we called it Franken-lovey because of the amount of time she snuggled with it and destroyed it. Then the times that, you know, Mama had to sew pieces and parts and eyeballs and things back on to make it look sort of like a hippo or whatever it was. But just like Linus's blanket gave him this security, this comfort, kept him steady, all these things Mary treasured in her heart and pondered in her heart did the same thing for her and could do the same thing for you and I. The last thing I want to do is give you another to-do this Christmas. But what I would love to do is share with you, kind of string together four different Bible passages for you to think about, ponder, kind of treasure this Christmas. Four passages I really think can kind of get rid of the grump and replace it with security and comfort and, and steadiness in the days ahead. And the first one is, they're not going to be new probably, the first one is John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. When we, when we consider Jesus this Christmas, remember that Jesus is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and that first Christmas, that Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. God incarnated. He put on skin. He became like us, and He moved into our neighborhood, and He was born to you. And then Hebrews chapter 1, this tiny baby that we celebrate, He's the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being, he sustains all things by his powerful word. And when he grew up, he went to a cross to die in your place. And then after he had provided purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That's something to treasure up and ponder this Christmas. And remember, Colossians chapter 1 in him, this tiny baby lying in a manger whom we celebrate every Christmas, in him all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or powers or, or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by Jesus and for Jesus. And he's before all things. He's supreme. And in him, get this, in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the church, the body, that's us. He's the beginning and the end, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And in this baby, for in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. So ponder these truths, the magnificent truths of Jesus, God come to earth. In the midst of any grump, Christmas or otherwise, Jesus is, here's the fourth one, Ephesians chapter 3, Jesus is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. So to him be the glory in, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generation forever and ever. Amen. All these things. Treasure them all up and ponder them in your heart this Christmas. 
Ponder Jesus. Think about him. Fix your thoughts on him. Because the distractions, I don't know if you noticed, the distractions are here. The Christmas craziness has arrived. And if you're anything like me, your mindset may need a reset to get rid of the grump and keep the main thing the main thing. I recently uh, read an old sermon by a, a Lutheran radio preacher named Walter Mayer. And he suggested one way to keep Jesus in the forefront of our minds at Christmas is to keep asking ourselves the same question. Over and over, just keep asking the same question. It's an exercise in pondering. This is what he said. Ask yourself, who is this child of Bethlehem? And what does he mean to you? Out of the miracle and the mercy of divine love comes the answer. He is your God, the Lord Almighty of the universe, who loved you with a divine affection that made him come into the world to take your place in fulfilling the divine law you have broken to become your substitute in removing the curse of death, your ransom in paying the debt of sin you by yourself could never pay. Repeat the questions, he says. Who is this holy child? What is he to me? And the divine word replies, he is your savior, whose unlimited, unconditional, unpurchasable pardon and peace are granted to you without payment or price freely and forever. Inquire again. Who is this cradled child? What does he mean to me? And divine truth responds, he is your friend who helps when human friends give way, whose love kindles the warmth of comfort, the hope of deliverance, the assurance of heavenly joy in all of life's heaviness and sorrow. Put the pointed question once more. Who is this child predicted by prophets and proclaimed by angels? Oh, my fellow redeemed. This child is your ransom from ruin, your resistance to temptation, your path to purity, your promise of a new and better life on this earth, your pledge of resurrection glory in heaven. Keep him and he will keep you through life's fleeting years and death's darkness safe for a radiant eternity. Friends, church, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Set your minds on him. Christmas is the celebration. It's, it's the remembering of Jesus, God coming to earth for you. And so as you decorate, as you bake and decorate the cookies, as you shop, uh, while you're rapping and, and singing those annoying songs by Mariah Carey, it's very specific, sorry. As you invite people to come and join you, while you're moving the elf, I mean, someone, the elf is moving from one shelf to another shelf. You're preparing to gather. You're, you're trying to figure out whose family are we going to go see when on Christmas Day. As you're marveling at all the gifts under the tree and the laughter to, shared together, <coughs> think about all these things. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's going to be really loud in the microphone. Ponder all these things. Treasure up all these things in your heart as you do all those things. And celebrate the Savior this Christmas. Let's pray together. Jesus, King Jesus, Savior, Messiah, and Lord, we are grateful. 
that we have this time specifically set aside every year to remember you incarnate coming to earth and the implications of of all of that. The miracle that it is. And Lord, it's so easy to get caught up in all the things, the distractions that we kicked the devil out of here this morning, but he's active in, in, in just distracting us. It's so easy to fall prey and, and lose the main thing. And so God, I'm so thankful for Mary's example. And I pray that in the midst, midst of all the fun and the traditions that we have as, as family, that while we're doing those things, we would think about, we would ponder, we would treasure the magnificent truths of Jesus. And may that be the the posture of our heart this Christmas and every Christmas to come. In Jesus' name, amen.